you know, those of us that are paragliders and that have made it a lifestyle choice, the term sky crack gets thrown around and it's kind of a funny term, but, but it is, it's addictive and it brings you closer to God, no matter what you believe. You know, maybe you think of the bearded guy on the cloud with angels or personally, I'm more in touch with the creator and universal energy source. You know, it's like being a dandelion seed on the wind and I'm tapping into something so much more powerful and greater than myself that, you know, you asked me, you know, yesterday when we were flying, like if I've ever been brought to tears and yes, I have, I've burst into tears, snot bubbles and ugly, <laughs> you know, just uh, sobbing up there because I felt so in touch with the universal spirit while paragliding and it's given me faith. first discussed what this podcast would be, Christo Johnson was on my mind. The vision was to interview different adventure nomads we knew and share the tricks of the trade. I hadn't seen Christo for more than 20 years, but had caught wind of his paragliding life through Facebook. So here we are a year later, and I finally got the interview done. My instincts to get him on the podcast were right. Christo's nomad resume is off the hook. He spent the last 21 years as a river guide, launching from Honduras, Alaska, Grand Canyon, Salmon, Idaho, California, Colorado, and West Virginia. His love affair for the past eight years is paragliding, an activity which rises far above sport for him, but he does compete internationally. Some of the highlights include in the rat race in Applegate Valley, Oregon. He was the sprint class winner in 2016 the sport class winner in 2017, and the overall sport 2017 U.S. national champion. In 2017, in Pemberton, British Columbia, he placed sixth in the Canadian Nationals. He's paraglided in Nepal two different years, as well as Thailand, Colombia, Canada, and Mexico. His 2019 fall plans take him to India, where he intends to fly Volbiv over the mountain range where the Dalai Lama lives. Volbiv is the current frontier of paragliding where pilots work their way cross country, flying from peak to peak, camping along the way. I hooked up with Christo in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, where he's working as a raft guide and commercial paragliding tandem pilot. We kicked it for a few days, van life style, in Warring Fork Valley. He and his built out Ram Promaster 3500 me and my Tacoma. He took me flying one morning and rafting that afternoon. He had me at hello. In return, I cooked him my famous Italian beef sandwich in a pressure cooker. We sat down for the interview in Christo's van at Sopris Park in Carbondale, Colorado. I'm not gonna lie, I'm jealous of his home. We talked about his nomad journey over the past 20 plus years, touching on his time at Avon Old Farm Prep School Western Colorado State University and recounting his memories of Russell Kelly, a Darien, Connecticut native and Telluride adventure legend. The latter half of the conversation focuses on his religion 
paragliding. Despite not being close buds growing up, the camaraderie between us was instant. There was no facade to our conversation, no mock-up to describing how life's been going. But I think that's what nomads are, if nothing else, authentic. in Christo Johnson's fucking van, which I got a van boner over this one. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's uh, seemed like the, the right thing to do after moving through the phases of sleeping in the back of a Subaru to the back of a Pathfinder to the back of a Tacoma to a pop-up camper in the back of the Tacoma, which was nice, but a pain in my ass to pop up every night. Yeah, well, that's. I definitely want to. I want to actually want to talk about that 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 transition. But um, so, Christo and I know each other from from high school, from back in the Dare Dare days, the Darian days. Dar Dar. And um, anyway, it's it's you know, Facebook is is kind of a blessing and a curse because, and it's this is the one of those blessing sides where we started following each other and started recognizing that that we kind of have the same lifestyle and I was like Krista does cool shit and I'm assuming that, that you were looking at my 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 uh, Facebook and like Craig's doing cool shit so we should hang out at some point so yep. here we are yep yeah I was glad that uh, that we connected for sure um, you know Facebook is a weird platform because everybody always sees the most awesome stuff that they can post on their wall um, and nobody really sees what else is going on. Um, and uh, I recognized um, a like-minded spirit in you um, totally. through your travels and whatnot. Um, so I'm definitely glad that uh, we decided to reconnect, man. It's been good to see you. So. Yeah, no, this, is, this has been... So I've been in uh, Glenwood Springs uh, for the past couple, two, three days and uh, kind of living living crystal life yesterday uh yesterday crystal took me paragliding in in the morning and then um and and then we we did a little park life in the middle of the day i cooked up my italian beef and my pressure cooker and then and then crystal uh took me rafting um on the, the rafting gig that that he's got going on so i um that was that was a phenomenal day for me that's just uh just another day of living the dream uh for you but um, good times yeah I'm a fortunate fool for sure um, I've been able to uh, to basically play for work um, for the last 20 20 years or so um, and uh, it sort of plays into my degree which is a, a recreation degree with an outdoor leadership emphasis which you certainly don't need a degree to do the job that um, the jobs that I've been doing but um, you know, I, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do, um, but I did know that I liked to play, so sort of managed to make that my career path, if you will. Well, um, you know, it's kind of, for a while, I always considered myself sort of slacking and what am I going to do when I grow up, but by the time I hit 40, I sort of realized that um, I'm, a, I'm a joy farmer or a facilitator. <laughs> 
a facilitator of adventures, you know, um, allowing people to do stuff that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do, um, and do it in a safe manner to keep them from killing themselves. Um, at least if they die, there's somebody to point the finger at. That would be me. But so far, we've been good. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I saw, I saw you, I saw you in your role yesterday. I thought, I thought that was that was good having, um, having, having to go through all your spiels and whatnot with the the various customers and and the seven point check on the paragliding. But let's, um, so let's, let's walk quickly through the past 20 years and you know river guide and um and, and a whole bunch of other stuff like let's let's bring everybody up to now as to what you've been doing and i'm i'm psyched to be able to talk about you know you've you've referred to it as you know the religion of of paragliding and i experienced a little taste of that so i'm, I'm psyched to dive into that and, and some other stuff but let's let's bring everybody up to speed as to like what what have you been doing for the last twenty years in in you know your uh, the cultivation of the joy and, and adventure? Well, um, I graduated in uh, nineteen ninety two. Um, I went out to Western State College in Gunnison, Colorado. Um, I felt a little bit of pressure from my family to get a degree. Yeah. Um, of course, many of us feel that. Well, and that's, I mean, you and I growing up in Darien, that's Darien, Connecticut. That's, that's what you do, right? You yeah. don't, you don't go into the trades. Yeah. You don't go and, um, yeah. So I, I, I totally understand there. You know, in hindsight, I really wish I had been pushed towards, um, trades. Yeah. Uh, it would have suited my skill set um, uh, a little bit better. Um, you know, earlier on in my life, I would have called it my disability, but now I kind of consider what I would have called a disability, a skill set. Now it's just, um, you know, I, I had to find the the right outlet for my strengths, um, and uh, you know, trying to go to Ivy, Ivy League college and stuff like that and become a a, uh, a cerebral worker, if you will, um, uh, wasn't really in the cards for me. Being an ADHD individual and just having a really hard time concentrating on such a narrow bandwidth I need to have all cylinders firing all around me before I can narrow it down so um, yeah you know um, so I, I did feel compelled to get a degree um, and uh, um, through some family um, pressures obviously uh, you know it was it was important to get that done but um, I also didn't know what direction I wanted to go in um, in terms of, you know, like medieval English literature or, you know, <laughs> political science or what, you know, like what, how is that going to serve me? Um, but I was interested in the outdoors and, uh, you know, I did some boarding school in Connecticut and I was a member of the Nimrod Club, which was a funny name for sure. Um, um, and, you know, that was the outdoor club where we, we kind of maintained uh, the woods. We did trail building and we, we chopped firewood for um, for faculty members and all this stuff. Uh, and uh, we had a cabin in which we could hang out in. And there were certain benefits to being in the outdoor club that were... And that's at Avon? At Avon Old Farms. Okay. Um, so there were certain benefits to being in that club. Um, I could get away from 
sort of the coat and tie experience. You could actually check out, I don't know if they still allow this, but you could check out on like a Friday night and go to the, um, the cabin, the Nimrod cabin and, um, and spend the night out there and just That's pretty awesome. sort of, yeah. And like, uh, shoot, shoot, shoot it with the boys, you know, talk, talk a little bit of uh smack and just, and just be away from faculty, um, supervision for a little while, which, you know, afforded great freedom in that boarding school environment. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I knew I liked the outdoors. I'd done a couple of hikes with some friends on the Appalachian Trail at Darien High School, um, spent a couple of nights out there, and was just attracted to the, the idea of big open places. Um, so when I came out west uh, to Western State College, which is in Gunnison, Colorado, um, you know, Crested Butte, of course, is 30 miles away. Uh, that was a big attraction to me. Totally. To come out west and, and be in big spaces and see what I could see. Um, I was like many young, impressionable lads <laughs> from back east. I was a smoker at the time. Um, I was smoking camel lights and thinking I was super cool. Um, Collecting the camel box? Oh, yeah. And, and camel getting, Joe. Yeah. Camel points. Um, and, uh, and I was with my older brother, Reed, and uh, I was in Boulder that summer of 92 and my folks were coming on out for freshman orientation at Western State College. Uh, we went up and over Hoosier Pass, um, and which was pretty high. Um, where, where, I don't even know where he was. So Hoosier Pass. is, if you're coming up and over, if I remember this correctly, you're coming up and over from Breckenridge, um, and I'd have to whip out Google Maps right okay. now. Right. Um, but you're coming up and over from Breck. You're going to kind of drop on down into the South Park Valley. Okay, yeah, the Hartzell um, Plain. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's Is up, that Route 9? Uh, I think so. All right, well, whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I can't remember. I mean, that, this is 1990, summer of 92. Anyway, it's, it's first real high mountain pass. It's like early June. I'm seeing snow in June for yeah. the first time up high. And uh, my older brother, Reed, who had been out in Boulder for a couple of years, had you know been to these high places. And really, one, one of the reasons I came out west to Colorado is because he was a big influence in my life. And, um, and he was saying, Chris, you got to come on out here. You're going to love this place, man. Um, and he was right. Uh, introduced me to Colorado. And I, uh, you know, I never have been able to look back since then. But um, to get back to the story, I was saw the snowfield, started running up the snowfield, and uh, and suddenly my cool guy, cigarette smoking, caught up with me, um, and I fell to my knees, and uh, and I couldn't breathe, um, and it was a, a panic uh, experience, and um, I couldn't breathe, and then I totally booted everywhere. Um, <laughs> You're with, you're with your parents? Uh, yeah, but they were down on the road, so you know, like they weren't—they weren't exactly, um, you know, on my heels. Let's just say, um, you know, they were having a hard time. That's a classic ADHD thing, kind of thing. Like I'm just gonna go run up the hill, and the parents are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Christo's doing his there he goes. ADHD thing. Yep. Yeah. And Reed's up top, of course, laughing at me as I'm on my knees in the snow, like getting ready to feed the magpies, and just you know, just. <laughs> chunks everywhere and I'm all and I think I remember that was like one of the first times that I actually talked to um, a, a god uh, uh -huh. I said um, oh my god I will never smoke again 
if you just please take this feeling away. And of course, after five minutes or so, the feeling went away. I caught my breath. I wiped my mouth off and I decided <laughs> that I was done smoking cigarettes. And that's how I quit smoking. Um, Cause nice. if I was gonna come out west and live this mountain lifestyle and be, I didn't know what I was gonna be. I thought maybe I would be a high altitude mountaineer or something to that effect. And I realized that like cigarette smoking wasn't gonna help that. Yeah. So. Um, good move yeah so I and, and 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 maybe that's why you were so like three minutes ago what you we were next to some guy with emphysema and like oxygen tank going into his nose like three minutes ago Krista's like and the dude's smoking and Chris was like fuck this like I'm not I'm not I'm not hanging out next to this guy smoking like letting that and like we're moving so we moved the vehicle over so yeah anyway maybe that's maybe me I guess you learned your lesson yeah, way back then. Well, you know, I, I saw, I've seen um, the negative effects, you know, of cigarette smoking through. Um, you know, my mom was a smoker, and um, you know, eventually caught up with her, and yeah. uh, she, you know, she paid the ultimate price. Um, and uh, you know, I just, I feel like the cost-benefit analysis, um, you know, is is just not there. Um, and uh, I just want to live a healthier lifestyle than yeah. that, and that's you know that's why I, I quit. And you know I encourage everyone out there to, um, you know, you only got one set of lungs. No so. shit. Yeah, emphysema is a terrible way to go. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I came on out west, uh, quit smoking on top of this mountain, ended up going to Western State, was skiing Crested Butte quite a bit in the '90s. Um, having a lot of fun, ended up destroying my knees because uh, some of us that remember the 90s, we were looking at, uh, you know, Warren Miller movies and um, and uh, Matchstick Productions was just coming up, you know, Scott Schmidt, Eric and Rob Delorier, um, all these um, super sick skiers were hucking themselves off every cliff they could find. Uh, so, of course, I was doing that too, but of course, growing up back east skiing like Wachusett Mountain in Okemo right. uh, didn't lend itself to exactly extreme skiing um, technique and form. So, I was just flailing and starfishing my way down the hills, having yard sales with my gear everywhere, and, uh, and, uh, but it didn't matter. I was still hucking because there was powder out there. Um, did, did you, did you, so I, I'm going to jump all over the place. Yeah. Um, and. and were were you hooked up with Russell Kelly at that time? Because he he was, I mean, Telluride was his hood. Yeah. Um, and just for the audience, I mean, they, I, I'm I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of people from Darien that's going to listen to this, and people from Darien know who Russell Kelly is. But for the general audience, like Russell Kelly is kind of a local legend from back in in Darien, and then he was getting a name for himself. Yeah. Um, on on the world stage, as far as just being this adventure, fucking monster, and right. and and hitting it. So we, I mean, you know Ross better than I am. Like, so tell tell me about your experience with Ross, and that had to have been in the '90s as well. I would yeah. imagine. Um, Russ, I knew Russ um, from Darien, and uh, and um, you know, raging the the Metro North line. Um, <laughs> Yeah. In, in, into uh, in, in, in and out of the Grateful Dead yeah, concerts. In and out of Grateful Dead at Madison Square Garden, JGB and NYC at MSG. <laughs> you know all these. You know, and I, and I, so I knew Russ from um, from concerts and just hanging out in the Darien um, social scene. And then I kind of lost track with Russ um, until a few years later. I was out in Colorado. I started learning how to kayak in about 1995. 
94 or 95, I started kayaking. I, <laughs> that was one of my classes, a recreation class. It was outdoor pursuits, water-based. And uh, so awesome. So, uh, yeah, um, we learned how to kayak, and that was my first introduction to whitewater kayaking. And I started, um, you know, getting a little bit better and started working my way up through uh, the classes of whitewater, class three, class four, class five. And I started uh, boating class five whitewater. And um, I go up to this spot, a creek above Crested Butte called Daisy Creek. And, um, and here is this van, this bl dark blue or black van, I can't remember, but it had like a six foot submarine sandwich on top of it, like on the <laughs> roof. And I was like, why does that strike me as familiar, man? And, uh, and I'm getting my gear together and this dude smashes the gas, does like a full-on donut in the parking lot, comes right on up to where I am, slams on the brake and goes, Christo, bro! And I look in and sure enough, it's Russ Kelly. Wow. And Russ Kelly recognized me Classic. when I was getting my gear ready, yeah. And Russ was up there getting ready to send this river by himself, with or without anybody. He was up there in the mountains above Crested Butte getting ready to fully send. Um, and, uh, and I was fortunate enough to hook up with Russ and, um, and we kayaked the Daisy in the East in OBJ, OB Joyful Creek, um, that day up in Crested Butte and, um, and, uh, it was super funny and, you know, just a classic scene with Russ and the fun part is, is, you know, for some of you folks out there that don't know about, um, whitewater kayaking and, and, Whitewater kayaking is, is, while you're totally alone in your boat, it's generally somewhat of a team sport. You go with other people um, because there you know, certain scenarios you could get yourself stuck, you could get, um, you know, you could swim from your, from your boat and then maybe your paddle goes downstream or your boat goes downstream and a lot of times in these class 5 creeks, you go to shore, man. And, uh, you know, Russ was up there ready to, uh, to send it on his own. And um, I always admired Russ for his spirited adventure and his... Um, his uh, lack of um, um, of need, um, I guess you, if you will, to have um, backup. You know, Russ was just going for it, with or without um, with or without folks there. Uh, he was just committed, fully committed. And mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're fully committed, uh, you're in the zone. And um, I think Russ was finding the zone before. Uh, you know, I certainly, in, in by zone, it's, it's really hard to explain, and we'll come to that a little bit later with the paragliding, um, but I think Russ was fully present when he was out in the wilderness doing his thing, and he was ready to hang it all out there to be here now, and by that I mean fully present. So I think Russ was tapping into, um, you know, some spirituality um, that was to take me a, a few more years to to come upon and uh, I always admired Russ for his for his attitude so yeah Russ is an old school an OG uh, when it comes to um, hitting it hard in the outdoors and uh, you know I, I have a lot of respect um, and many of us miss Russ uh, you know but he, he uh, Russ was uh, leading the way yeah so just to, to close that story out I mean I my understanding was that he was he was four wheeling in his own jeep and in late 20s 
Um, is that is that right? Like twenty um, twenty eight ish? Like when when he rolled and yeah, I I, I know that Russ um, unfortunately passed away. I believe it was a single vehicle accident, um, and I'm not sure if he was four wheeling. For some reason, West Yellowstone comes into mind, but I believe he was just coming off this expedition, um, a whitewater expedition in like Eastern Europe, like Russia or Ukraine or something like that, and he was trying to send it back to maybe to Jackson Hole or something, and he might have stopped in West Yellowstone, but I, I, I know that unfortunately Russ uh, had a, a car accident, a vehicle accident, and he and he didn't make it through that. Um, and it was a, a shock to many of us to yeah. have Russ charged so hard uh, in such a you know an amazing way, and to be taken from us in a vehicle, um, you know, which is another reminder: be safe out there driving, kids. Yeah, um, yeah. Because the scariest thing we do is get behind the wheel. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So Russ was, I think, between one adventure going to the next yeah. when uh, when he left us. Yeah, I mean, I. I Coming from where we do, I mean, it, it does seem like there's, there are select few from, you know, the Fairfield County, Darien crew that we grew up with. There, there are select few that, that end up, ended up, it, it's kind of a, um, it's almost a cliche story for some of us to end up out West and seeking seeking that present experience and adventure and, and, and seeking an unconventional way of life. And I mean, Russ, as I recall, and, and, and I, I grew up, you know, I was doing corporate life and, and, and academia and whatnot. And, you know, I, I looked toward someone, I, I looked toward Russell as like, like, man, he did it. He made it. He, he's, oh, yeah. he's doing it. He's living the dream. And it's, it's unfortunate that, that some of those spirits, get taken early you know in, yeah. in pursuit of that um and it's a i mean it, it's a it's a unique spirit you know that oh, yeah. that uh that go after it that hard and um and, and are that in tune with it um but you're so i R mean good was, russ was crushing van life before van life was cool yeah you know? no that's a great I mean, way of putting it yeah. i mean hashtag van life you know russ would be laughing his ass off right now yeah. you know that that gmc or ford van I, econo line 250 or whatever it was man with that freaking six foot submarine sandwich on top of it like was just hilarious man and he was just dirtbagging out of the back of it you know and right. living hard i mean i know he was going over to like uh afghanistan or pakistan i think he was over there during september 11th that's nuts he was running class five plus six rivers totally solo totally solo expedition style on his own unsponsored I mean, unsponsored i mean you know maybe he might have you know i don't you know i don't think he had like big corporate sponsors there wasn't you know uh Kayak, you know, there weren't kayak uh, companies that were giving him no social uh, money. media, Instagram, yeah. glory. You know, I believe he was maybe writing for the Telluride newspaper and sending little clip snippets of what he had going on back and forth to those guys. I mean, you talk about Russ Kelly and Telluride, and everyone is like Russ Kelly, local legend. And of course, some of you guys may know that Russ liked to uh, to have a, a a barley pop or two <laughs> here and there, and. Uh, and the Telluride Brewing Company uh, honored him by um, making uh, Russ Kelly uh, IPA, which is, um, you know, it's been many years since I've had a beer, um, and I'd like to, would like to have known what a Russ Kelly IPA is. But uh, it's my, it's my understanding that it's a pretty class five serious, uh, nice. serious beer. So, 
Um, anyway, yeah, uh, yep. There, you know, there's some of us that have cruised on out and uh, have done the spirit of adventure thing out west. And Russ certainly was an early pioneer. In, in terms of our generation, I'm sure that every generation has an early pioneer. But in terms of my generation, yeah, Russ was someone to look up to for sure. So you moved into, I mean, you you so you got early into the guiding of whitewater. Yeah. Um, you were you were guiding snowmobiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that like primarily like Breckenridge? Yeah, I uh, area like. You know, I started doing the kayaking, and um, and all I wanted to do was um, is, was kayak and be on the river, man. And, and river people were my favorite people. Um, and at the time, I was partying and, and, and uh, having fun. And you know, river people charge hard on the river, and then they sit around a campfire at night and they charge hard at night. And yeah. um, there's camaraderie in that. It's not just a uh, you know, it's not just a, a, a booze fest, but um, river people also, um, you know, it seems like we all sort of come from similar backgrounds, not, you know, socioeconomical um, per se, but like we're all searching for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's a kindred bond that occurs amongst uh, river people and sort of the same in paragliding now. Um, but what what is that something? I mean, how how would you? I you know I, I feel like we're searchers, um, and um, there. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it's type T person, thrill seekers. Um, you know, and I didn't realize until you know maybe eight or ten years ago that you know thrill seeking is not just adrenaline it's more present it's a it's a a moving meditation um it's a finding the zone it is flow mm-hmm. um it's it's becoming one completely with your environment um it's synergy when many people come together and become greater than their sum on a raft, for instance, you know, seven people paddling together and the boat is surging, you know, with everybody at the exact same, you know, um, paddle strokes at the same time. It, it's just, we become greater than ourselves. Um, and maybe all of us, you know, rafting, we all might share a moment, you know, uh, kayaking, we, we are somewhat solo and have our own little moments. Um, and paragliding, you know, you are, truly solo while we can be up there paragliding with our friends um there's nothing anybody can do for us should we find ourselves in a predicament um so you know it's it's self-reliance and um becoming totally present in the moment is it is it fair to say that that river people they're not the conventional types that are getting on the river and then like weekend warrior style like like going back home and then you know going back to their nine to five tied job and 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 having kids and like i guess what i'm I, I guess what i'm trying to tap into is like when you say river people in the paragliding community i'm i'm envisioning kindred spirits that 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 really have chosen or, or they're drawn, like it's not even a choice, right? Where they, they're not, 
you know, we're, we're look, we can look at your van right now and look at, you know, the, the moms with their kids and we're kind of in suburbia of Carbondale right now. Like this is, it, it's hard for me to imagine that they, those are river people right now, right? Like the, it, it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's impossible in my mind for, for people to be in river life while at the same time coming back to their mortgages and their kids and their families. Is that a fair description or am I totally off base? No, I think, um, and I, I don't want to fair description. Them. No, no. I think what the, I mean, Carbondale is a, is a, you know, so, so I've been in the Roaring Fork Valley the last couple of years and it suits me because I can paraglide in the morning and I can do a river trip in the afternoon and it, and it fits my little niche. Um, and you know, one thing I do like about this valley is that these people, I, I feel like are kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. Mm, so yeah. they're trying to tap into the mountain wilderness lifestyle. Yet at the same time, they're trying to have a family and a nine to five. And some people can do it. You know, some people can 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 do the nine to five and then get on their bike and crush a twenty five mile mountain bike ride, um, or have you know um, you know toddler little kids. You know, raise a family and they just raise little crushers. You know. Yeah. Um, so you know, I have I have a lot of respect actually for the the people that can do the family and um get out and crush but i feel like um they don't have total immersion mm. um in terms of um uh i mean there's just there's just life distractions that they have where they can't throw a hundred percent of their time at whatever activity they choose to pursue be it mountain biking mountaineering um, you know, but that being said, you've got some mountain crushers, you know, like, uh, you know, Jimmy Chin, uh, lives in Teton Valley. I'm not sure his status, but you know, I think he probably comes back and is part of the community and then he takes off and crushes, you know, Conrad Anchor lives up in Missoula. He's got, you know, a family he takes care of and, um, and then he goes off and crushes, um, you know, and, and does, you do, does what these guys do, which is, you know, attack the wilderness. Um, and, and, um, you know, um, and manage to have a life family balance, um, you know, and, and that, and that's something I've struggled with, um, personally, you know, I've tried to have my cake and eat it too. And it's, it seems like that, um, didn't work out very well for me. Um, so I end up finding myself right now, um, you know, riding solo with my with my dog Loop, who is um, one of the greatest uh, gifts that's ever come into my life. Um, you know, some people can do the the work life balance. Um, I find myself playing outdoors for work, uh, and then life is trying to work on becoming totally present, and that happens through uh, adventure and um, thrill seeking activities, whitewater paragliding stuff like that well let's let's move into the paragliding thing okay. like so what tell me about your entrance into paragliding world so paragliding for me uh is not really even what i would consider a sport it's um it's therapy um it's it's uh it's meditation it's becoming totally present um you know, and I, 
and I believe that paragliding was presented to me at a period in my life when I needed it most. Um, I was coming off of a um, a failed marriage um, that was very painful. Um, um, my ex-wife had been a river guide and and, um, and somebody who I, I trusted fully, and I was I was let down um, and uh, and hurt very badly, and I kind of went into hermit mode the next summer. Uh, and, and went up to Alaska. I took my dog Loop, uh, I drove up to Alaska, and I worked as a river guide um, up in Alaska on a few different rivers, and sort of, you know, did what I do, which is guide whitewater, but also wanted to leave society behind, because I didn't know what my next move was. I went up to Alaska, I guided whitewater, I was there from May till the end of September, started getting cold, a little bit darker, and I figured Alaska in the winter time wasn't probably going to be a good break, a great place for me to be that first winter being solo. Um, and uh, woe is me, I had three weeks to go before a Grand Canyon River trip. So I had three weeks to get from Alaska down to Flagstaff or Lee's Ferry, Arizona. And uh, I had a big fat pocket full of cash because I wasn't drinking and I was living in the middle of the woods. Um, and a friend of mine who I'd been guiding with up in Alaska was a beginning paraglider and for some reason he had just said to me Christo you are going to love this this is for you this is your sport um, and me being kind of a stubborn guy I was like yeah yeah it seems cool I saw it once in 1993 in Crested Butte there was one solo paraglider who knows that might have been Russ Kelly floating overhead because I knew Russ was paragliding <laughs> back in the 90s um, but there was a solo pink wing floating above Crested Butte and I looked up and I thought my god you know it would be easier for me to become an astronaut than a paraglider it was you know a financial and I was getting in my own way and just couldn't believe that that you know somebody like me could become a paraglider and uh, through rafting and kayaking over the years, I realized that, like, you know, somebody like me or anybody like any of you can do anything you want when you put your mind to it. So here I am, fast forward, coming down from Alaska, getting ready for the Grand Canyon and a pocket full of cash. And I'm sitting in Draper, Utah, um, which is by Salt Lake City, at a place called the Point of the Mountain, which is uh, just a, a geographically... Uh, or a geographic blessing to paragliders, I should say. It's just a, an amazing spot where um, the, the weather is beautiful uh, from the south in the morning. It's beautiful from the north in the evening. Uh, you know, in the middle of the day, you can do ground school at your, your school of choice. Um, and, I, and, uh, and it's just a, a paragliding mecca on the planet. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at these wings floating around. I've got this wad of cash in my pocket burning a hole and I just said throw down dude like do it um, and it was a big commitment it was a lot of money to throw down um, but uh, I needed something in my life at this moment to jumpstart jumpstart me again give me the love of living because at the time I was seeing life in some pretty dull colors it was it was black and whites and and uh, and a lot of gray and not too much uh, bright blues and greens and purples in my favorite colors, you know. Um, so um, I threw cash on the barrel head. Actually, I didn't even. I, I, I hooked up with a company called Superfly. Um, and Chris Santa Croce was um, 
was out of town, but I talked to him and he said, yeah, man, uh, you know, just uh, hook on up. Don't worry about the cash. Let's get you set up and see how you feel. Um, and what I admired about Superfly was they sort of interviewed me. They didn't just take my money. They wanted to see if I was going to be a good fit for them. Mm. Um, and Santa decided, yeah, I think we can work with you. Um, because they want guys and gals that are gonna show down, or show up, throw down, and uh, and and make it uh, not a weekend warrior thing, but somebody who's gonna commit to it because it's it's quite serious. It's aviation. Um, you know, the learning curve is is uh, it can be kind of steep. Um, there are consequences to poor decision making, and uh, you want to stay current with it. So I think they wanted me to be serious about it. Um, I hung out for a week and was, you know, flying. Um, started flying and being coming from a whitewater background, understanding fluid dynamics, <clears throat> really helped me. Um, understand aerodynamics and the way the air was reacting, the way the air would flow around obstacles um, and some of the you know objective hazards that paragliding can present if you don't quite understand. So um, it kind of clicked for me but um, you know the first two or three days I couldn't keep my wing over my head and kite it which is the very first thing you need to do. Have wing control before you can launch yourself off the hill because the uh, you know that's that's the easy part the flying part's the easy part getting the wing up in a configuration that is safe and controlled before you go off the hill that's the hard part you know um and uh, you know there are other difficult parts like weather assessments and you know being honest with yourself and skills but um I guess I'm getting sidetracked a little bit, but so I decided that I was going to do this. I did the paragliding 15 day I did the lessons 15 days later. Um, I had 53 or 55 flights and was given my P2, which is my beginner paragliding license. Uh, and that was the beginning of a, of a spiritual love affair, um, you know, uh, ever since. And that was eight years ago. Mm. Um, and I've been chasing, chasing that feeling that I get, um, when I fly, um, and it's been, you know, interesting, um, you know, those of us that are paragliders and that have made it a lifestyle choice, the term sky crack gets thrown around and it's kind of a funny term, but, but it is, it's addictive and it brings you closer to God, no matter what you believe. You know, maybe you think of the bearded guy on a cloud with angels or personally I'm more in touch with the creator and universal energy source. You know, it's like being a dandelion seed on the wind and I'm tapping into something so much more powerful and greater than myself that, you know, you asked me, you know, yesterday when we were flying, like if I've ever been brought to tears and yes I have I've burst into tears snot bubbles and ugly <laughs> you know just uh, sobbing up there because I felt so in touch with the universal spirit while paragliding and it's given me faith that there's faith is a belief in something that you can't see right mm -hmm. so or touch um, and paragliding has allowed me to tap into a a power source 
that you can't see when you're looking at the sky. I mean, you can see clouds and understand that they're building, but there's so much energy in the atmosphere, um, and it's 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 really it's words escape um, escape it really. It's it's hard to to put verbally what it is to paraglide once you've tapped into that feeling. It's, one one of the words that comes to mind is as I as I listen to you and, and, and we've talked over the last few days is there's healing healing is taking place. Absolutely. And I, I'll I'll let you decide how much you want to talk about it, but I, I know you've experienced a lot of pain um, in in your life. And so, you know, the the need to heal is great, you know, and, and for whatever reason you know, there's a spirit in you that is is drawn to this. So I, I, I think that the, the 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 physical the the physical elements of paragliding. For me, it's like you, you kind of got to be up there to to experience it. But I I'm I am interested in hearing you talk more about that. What is it about the healing element of paragliding that directly you know, bombs your your pain. You know what? And I mean, that's a huge question. I understand. Sure. I mean, I I feel like um, the thing about paragliding is it's it's a meditation, an active meditation. It's a it's it's more of a maybe a distraction from uh, any current discomfort I may be feeling about situations that have occurred in my life um, so I'm fully present there's no um, time to dwell about um, lost family members or past girlfriends or um, or poor decisions that I may have made or that I maybe weren't poor decisions but I can't give myself a break over that and when I'm flying um, it's everything right here and now is okay not only is it okay it's it's fabulous it's great um, it's it's uh, it's magic and it's more um, effective than any pill drink or herb um, in terms of making me feel correct right not correct but um right mm. um and, and by I, I'm, 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 it's hard to explain um everything is all right when i paraglide when and we it, were, you and i were talking this morning that it, it, there was that my my sense is that you're it's almost like you become you, you you're no longer you're no longer your past. You're no longer your future. You're you're the wing, yep. and, and like you're, you know, when I, when I'm hanging out with Christo, he's constantly scanning the sky and looking for signs of you know thermal uplift, and I, it's been kind of interesting because I'm you know I'm looking at the sky. I'm like, oh, cool cloud or cool bird, but you know, Christo's reading the sky, and I I've come to understand by flying with him and in the conversations like it. it you know, and, and we've talked about like meditation, right? And I, I've talked about my own journey with meditation and, and kind of healing my own pain where, 
I, I, I need to work more to recognize that I'm not my thoughts. So I have, you know, I, I, I have past pain. I have, I have regret over decisions. I think I've done things wrong and that I'm less than whole in so many different ways. And so when I meditate, what, what I do is I work to be aware of my thoughts and then have some level of acceptance and realization that I am not my thoughts. So when I hear about you and your experience with paragliding, there, there's no, like, it's not cerebral at all. It's it's total immersion. Like, you yeah. are one with the wing yeah. and the physics of what's going on up there. Yeah. And so when you talk about you're, you're not lost in your thought, it's total presence. I mean, that's there's almost like a there's a wholeness that you're experiencing there's like a it's it's a freedom right sure it, it's a freedom from our let me put it in my words like i when i meditate and i'm doing the things that i get into flow i'm freedom from all the bullshit that's yeah. constantly rolling through my head sure. and so that's kind of how i interpret your experience when you're flying is you're it, you're, you're free from yourself sure no it's it's yeah, I can release myself from the, the chains that bind me. They, they break free. And, you know, and if I hit the ground um, and I didn't have a great flight or, you know, um, or something's particularly bothering me, you know, sometimes I found myself um, bound up again within, you know, 24 hours. Um, I mean, you know, it's... I don't want to say that paragliding is definitely 100% every time I fly, like, it is the... Um, the one thing that, uh, you know, I always feel awesome. Sometimes I launch and I realize that I'm not present in, in a suitable mindset where I should be in the sky. So it's time to land. I, you know, I tell myself that, like, go land, buddy. If you're not feeling it, you know, this, the sport doesn't, um, it doesn't allow for much distraction. And if you're distracted, uh, it's time to land, um, you know. And I've also learned that if I, if I say to myself, "I, God, I, I gotta fly. I really need to fly," like that is a red flag, um, in terms of being smart about launching, mm. because, you know, we have there's there's all sorts of you know objective um, uh, hazards out there with paragliding. Uh, or, you know, like avalanche, let's say, you know, snowpack, terrain, yeah. you know, all these things. But there's the human factor as well. And, like, you know, I, I'm not going to crash if I'm not in the sky, right? So if I'm sitting on launch and it's kind of gusty, but I'm like, ah, I've got this. Man, I really got to fly. Um, you know, that's a, that's a red flag for me. And I try to recognize that. And early on in my career paragliding, um, there were a couple times when... You know, I got injured because I, uh, and not badly, but like a tweaked knee here, a rolled ankle there. Uh, and those were little warning shots across my bow um, that were saying, hey, bud, like you, you can't force this because you, you know, need, you know, quote unquote, need to fly. Um, what I need to do is make smart decisions and be safe so that I can fly for a long time, you know? Um, and, um, and uh, you know, so 
if I make those correct decisions, you know, and the, the, I try to remind myself that if I'm walking down off of a launch or I'm not flying even though other people are flying and I think to myself and I'm kicking my own ass in the parking lot and other people launched and they had a great flight and they sent it but I wasn't feeling it, I try to remind myself that like, dude, you could be sitting in a hospital bed right now. You could be in a helicopter flying to whatever, you know, emergency trauma center. Like, instead of sitting here, you know, thinking about grilling some some food and, and having some loquaz with the boys, you know, um, and, or in the in the girls, you know, like hanging out with the team and and, and wrapping out, um, you know, and the the camaraderie amongst the the folks and and the travel, you know, as we get to back to the the nomadic aspect of it, um, is really is really a huge part of it. It's not just um, you know the actual flights, but it's also the traveling from point A to point B and seeing these same people who are also totally in love and addicted to this sport um, and you know it sometimes it is an addiction I feel like I've forsaken some people in my life for um, for my need my need my desire to feel whole and present um, and it's you know it's unfortunate um you know that uh you know you want folks in your life to be on board with what you've what you've really fallen in love with but those people have needs as well and if, if you don't suit their needs uh while expecting them to suit yours then you know sometimes it doesn't work out and you know i have no regrets um you know in terms of um past relationships and uh uh, you know, into, or, or no grudges, I should say, as to how they, um, you know, felt about uh, my desire and my need to take off and fly. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, people, it's, it's a two-way street. And, um, you know, paragliding is somewhat of a selfish endeavor because it is so uh, intoxicating um, and, and, you know, being present is something I've been in search of for a while. Um, because being here now keeps me away from the the past, you know, issues that that tend to creep back into my um, my thoughts. And uh, you know, and in the meantime, hopefully, I can work through that stuff while I'm I'm traveling around and hanging out with my tribe of people. Um, you know, and uh, and I have a a, a very um, strong respect for my my uh, my flock of friends that that you know leave the ground and I think it I think a, a lot of paragliders have a um, a very strong feel uh, or feeling for um, other paragliders uh, because it's we do something that is is you know fairly dangerous and not it's not something that everyday people do do and we get something up there that is really hard to explain and when I see another paragliding pilot whether or not they are you know objectively my my best bud or friends or whatever their um, you know personality is maybe it doesn't jive with mine or mine doesn't jive with theirs or whatever I still have respect for this person because they are tapping into um, you know we, we all have this understanding where we're where we're coming from and where we're trying to go, I think, 
you know, or at least that's how I perceive it. And, and I, you know, I imagine other pilots feel the same way. Um, you know, and then, and then we land somewhere, we get in our vehicles, our vans or, or, uh, whatever we've got, you know, our Volvo station wagons and we beat it on down the line to the next spot where we all kind of, uh, meet again on launch. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for you having exposed it to me. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to, 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 to drop it. I, I mean, if I, we were, we were talking, you know, last night about, you know, what, what would we do if we had $10 million, you know, that, that classic question. Frankly, I, I think that I could, I could get into it. I mean, you know, the, um, the, the present moment, the forced present moment is, I seek that in my own experiences and that, you know, we, we talked about my winner, um, and, and you kind of followed me along there. There was, even though it was like brutally hard, I had that, there was no, if, if my mind wandered from what I was doing, I was, I was snowmobiling in and out, you know, in negative, whatever that, the, that temperature or oh, that's for real. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's challenging when you're there, but I, I would go back to it in a second. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. I mean, that's a bold move. You know, I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of, uh, respect for you because I, you know, like I said, I went to Western state. I spent some time in Gunnison, yeah. uh, many, almost a decade and, and, uh, in the Valley there and, uh, Gunnison <laughs> winters are full on. Yeah. Uh, and if you're sledding, you know, um, back and forth, you know, machines break down, man. And like, uh, and now it's all you buddy. You've got to, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I always envision like that scene in the shining, you know, cruising through the, <laughs> yeah. cruising through the labyrinth, man, you know, like, and it's blowing snow and it's cold and it's like, damn dude, you got like, you know, you got to make it, you got to make it back to the, uh, the Stanley hotel, the, to the relative warmth of the, uh, the great hall there. Yeah, no um, doubt. <laughs> um, you know, otherwise you're going to be, uh, a jacksicle in the morning, you know? So, oh, uh, shit. So no, mad respect. You know that I loved following your uh, adventures as winner because I it was just like, from man, afar. Yeah, you, you love yeah, following totally, it from afar. Totally. <laughs> I was like, I am out. I'm staying warm. Uh, that's all good. I think the la- the last thing that I I I wanted to touch on in this conversation was, um, you know, there's that there is that Instagram glory, Facebook glory, mm-hmm. yeah. like where different people project different. Um, lives you know via those media and um i I think what's attracted me to you and something that i'm working on is i i i'm not interested yeah i mean it's fun to to like look at how much fun i'm having you know look at how awesome my life is and you get feedback from friends back at home like dude you're crushing it like you're living the dream and whatnot but it's not it's not all puppy dogs and roses i mean this is like for me it's important to keep it real in that like this is not um this is not every day is living the dream and you know living van life and and out there on the road like adventure and like yeah that's great but there's there's almost a sadistic nature to it right and yeah. there, there's there's pain that we're all working through whether you're whether you're in the suburbs you know and 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 corporate job 
you've got you've got your family that you're living and and you've got your your struggles like it's not all it's not all roses out here i mean it's there's a lot of it that's lonely and challenging and working through stuff and i um i guess i just uh i need to keep it real and i i appreciate your willingness also to to keep it real and like it's not there's no facade yeah you know i i've been working hard on on um trying to have gratitude for the things that I have in my life trying to accept some of the things that I don't have in my life um, and trying to accept some of the reasons why you know like paragliding has given me so much but you know it's also probably didn't help my last relationship um, at all and you know I, I do want to be a part of a team mm-hmm. I do want to have somebody to to love and who wants to love me back um, but I need to have this this unchained ability to go and take care of my spiritual needs, uh, and that means traveling um, and 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 going from point A to point B and trying to fly and discovery. Discovery is important. Like I can't do mundane, same day after day. Um, and because I have this, it's it's not a desire; it's a need now. Um, you know, I've come to realize that, like, what's you know, for years, it's like, what's wrong with me? Just settle down. You know, this this girl's a lot loves you. You know, like, why don't you, you chill out? Or like, you know, this this place is pretty okay. Like, why don't you just settle down here? You know, and uh, um, it's it's not that the you know the girl wasn't right or the place wasn't awesome. It's that my feet get itchy, man. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I have to go out and explore and you know if if who I'm with can handle me exploring and then you know I come back um you know it, that's great but I always need to continue uh exploration for whatever reason um and, and you know and maybe I'm self-sabotaging um but yeah there's I experience discomfort on the road I mean my my van is is I'm you know I'm kind of in a pretty comfortable position right now in terms of how I'm, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I've kind of moved up through the ranks of like dirt bagging and living in a vehicle. <laughs> and now I'm sort of, you know, it's not a Mercedes. Full You've got the Taj center. Mahal, the Taj Mahal. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a 2017 Ram ProMaster extended, you know, it's plenty of room. Um, my dog and I have tons, you know, I've got all my toys in here and it's, it's it's you know I can I can live in here I've got a heater and you know I can live in here and I have and it's it's been good um, and I can travel and stuff but yeah there's there's definitely um, you know now that I've hit the road it's not like I've got the asphalt pill to all of my woes it's mm. there are woes that come with it um, and sometimes I find myself getting you know getting down on my situation um, and uh, you know while you know living in Baja on a beach. You know, it looks like a Corona commercial. Um, you know, objectively, um, I still got you know a uh, you know some some things rattling around my nut. You know, <laughs> on my shoulders here um, that you know I'm working with um, and and working through. Um, and you know, if I don't have purpose or a place to go, um, it sort of drives me a little bit batty. So I try to put something on the calendar to look 
forward to. So I'm, you know, I'm going to India in October and November. It's going to be a paragliding trip. I'm hoping to do some, uh, a little bit of a spiritual journey um, while I'm there. I've been to Nepal a couple of times. I'm, I'm super drawn to that part of the world. Um, Buddhism seems to be a organized religion that has resonated with me more than many others. Um, and that's a whole 10 different podcasts we can get into. Um, but, um, you know, acceptance of suffering um, and realizing that it's going to happen. Um, how do we deal with it? Um, so some days I'm feeling like a piece of junk and I can't sit down and be quiet with my thoughts. Um, other days I sit down and I try to be quiet with my thoughts. Um, but you know, like you said, um, you know, the, the being a, a nomad rambler and sort of a vagabond is, um, while it seems objectively to be living the dream, we, we all have battles that we need to uh, fight and um, and we need to work through that stuff um, you know loneliness is is you know is a, a big part of it um, and uh, you know I'm not sure what you know the answer is um, but um, you know I try to count my blessings um, and just be come from a place of gratitude yeah because you know? um, I, I realize that you know in this world full of of people, I am, um, you know, in a pretty good spot. And so when I'm all caught up and, and, and I can't get over myself, I try to remind myself that you're doing all right, man. You know, in this, in this whole big globe, I've got food, I've got shelter, I've got a buddy, a dog that travels with me, who has been the most solid thing in my life for the last 10 and a half years. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been, um, I've been fairly fortunate, so, um, you know, I'm a lucky guy, um, and, uh, you know, um, I'm just, you know, I'm just glad to be, um, standing on my feet and breathing and, yeah. uh, and, you know, being in the, the, the high mountains of the Col of the Colorado Rocky Mountains, you know, out west here, um, poised to uh to get on another adventure as soon as the the season comes to a close which is you know coming up pretty quickly yeah well i look i look forward to to following along your your, your journey over in india yeah buddy um that's that's a good one and i you know it's it's um jealous isn't the right word i think it's it's more um i'm i'm happy for you in um that Though, though maybe it's not a consistent all around you all the time experience. You, one of the words that you use over and over again is is a team. Find my team. I want my team, my tribe, and I I do I do like you're talking about gratitude. Um, you know, you being a part of this subculture of paragliding and having that team, though maybe everybody's around the world and you don't have them next to you, um, that to me seems something like something to be really, really grateful for and to cherish, you know, oh, and to, to chase after. And I, I guess, you know, you're the, the idea, yeah, my, my guess is that 
you're gonna have you know amazing experience over in India but I I have to believe that experiencing that with one at least one other person a I mean a shared experience yeah a shared experience but it, it's 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 you know we're we're not alone we're yep. understood someone else understands yeah me and yeah. um and that to me that's that's what this is all about i mean that's what this podcast is is about for me is like i want i want other people to understand me you know in in all the complexity and and crazy batshit stuff that goes on in my head and um that's you know <laughs> i love I love the fact that we've both independently kind of arrived at that, you know, conclusion that we we came around 200 years too late. Yeah. Like you and I are built to be like riding around on horseback or whatever totally. when that was more acceptable way of life. Rubbing the plains. Yeah, and um, you know, finding our tribe. So anyway, I appreciate you you're willing to do this, Christo, and, yeah. and um, I'll, I'll put together an intro where where people can find you and uh, cool. and uh, connect with your travels. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, it's been great to connect with you, Craig, and I'm, I've been, uh, you know, grateful um, to know that there's, you know, somebody from where I'm from who 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 does kind of understand um, and and is a like-minded uh, spirit, you know, um, like a kindred soul on the road of life who is hasn't thrown down an anchor, you know, or anchors here and there um, that prevent us from being able to uh, explore. So, I mean. Never stop exploring, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. Right on, man. Well, you yeah. gotta, you gotta get on the water pretty soon. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, man. Okay. Um, but yeah, great talking to you, Craig, and um, and thanks a lot for taking the time. Yeah, I you appreciate got it. Man. Right on. Cool. Nice, dude. You think that went well? I think that went really well. Cool. Um,